Hey y'all, I'm Jen Leah, and this is my brand new podcast, bringing you real-life stories from up-and-coming female artists of all genres. If you want more than the mainstream, you've come to the right place. This is Women in Stereo. Hey y'all, welcome to the fourth episode of the Women in Stereo podcast. It's so weird to me, I feel like I've been doing this a lot longer than four episodes, but I think that's because when COVID first hit, I was doing a lot of live streams with different artists. Yeah, I think I've been doing this about six months now. Hooray! I have two guests with me today, former Nickelodeon star, Billboard number one gold record songwriter, Nashville-based producer, Shayna Rose. She filmed this awesome segment for us about what it means to be an artist and a few exercises on how to figure out who you are in this career and who you're trying to reach and how to reach them. My second guest's name is Mixie. She's from the killer Los Angeles-based hard rock band Stitched Up Heart. Her and I talked about so many things from Twitch streaming, COVID, the Beatles, but I absolutely loved hearing her inspiring story about basically going from being homeless to having a successful career in music. But first, here is Shayna. I absolutely loved her video. I watched it like three times. It's really interesting to me that she points out that some musicians she goes into the studio with have this attitude of, I'm here, let's write a song and I get an Apple commercial. Which if you're just trying to write songs for money and go down that career path, that's totally fine. But if you want to actually brand yourself and be a true artist, you have to be yourself. It's fine to know formulas and work on your craft and know what works, but don't forget to put a little bit of heart into it. Here's Shana. Hello, everybody, and a shout out, obviously, to Women in Stereo. Thank you so much for asking me um, to be a part of your podcast and to make a little video for you. I'm super honored. So what I wanted to talk about for a few minutes was what does it really mean to be an artist? Because I think that we are living in a time where we have sort of been fed this idea that being an artist is about becoming famous and having all this influence and, you know, hopefully, theoretically, um, making a lot of money and living this glamorous lifestyle. And so many of us are fixated on that as our goal, as sort of the, the, the riches and the lifestyle that come along with uh, being a musician or being an artist. And when I bring artists into my studio, it's really important to me to help them start to redefine what does it mean to be an artist? Why are you an artist? What are you doing all of this for? And so I think if you're an artist and you are at the drawing board right now, it's COVID. Let's say, you know, you, you might be home and have a lot of extra time right now to work on your craft and work on your music. I wanna give you a challenge. So first I want you to, to sit and write and think about why am I an artist? Like, what am I doing this for? And I want it to be something that is impersonal to you. So not to make money, not to become famous, not to live the lifestyle, but something external from you that if you could have influence there with your art, there with your music, 
It's something that you would want to change. It's something that you would want to work on. So I want you to write that down, right? The next thing is, who are you talking to? Who is your audience? And I don't necessarily mean, you could put something like, you know, my audience is um, 18 to 30 year old women living in this place. That's fine. But I, I want you to go deeper. I want you to think about what are their values? What are their struggles? What are their joys? What kind of life are they living? These people that you're talking to and how then the art that you're creating and the music that you're creating might connect and relate to them. Because I too often get in a studio and a writing session with an artist and the very first thing we start talking about is who we're gonna pitch a song to. Like what artist? Okay, we're gonna write this song today for Lady Gaga. Or, um, you know, we're gonna write this for Sync and we want to get the next Apple commercial. So let's just write a bunch of really generalized lyrics. And, and what happens when you do that is the content of your music, your lyrics, it doesn't fully resonate with your audience. And if you really think about who this music is for and how you might really connect to their life experiences, the music and the art is gonna take you so much further. So, why am I doing this? That's the first question, like why, why am I an artist? Why am I making this art? The second is, who am I making this art for? And I would say the third question would be, what do I, genuinely want to accomplish with, with my art. If there was one thing in the world I could change, what would it be? You know, would it be something around mental health? Would it be something around peace? Would it be something around equality? All of these questions are going to inform a, a more rich piece of artwork that Believe it or not, I will go as far as to say, we'll get you more followers, we'll get you more streams, and we'll get you more super fans because you are actually creating something that touches people on such a deep level as opposed to either doing something surface or doing something that is self-serving. So I hope that that is helpful, a helpful exercise. Um, if you end up doing it, you're always welcome to share it with me. I'm on Instagram at the Shana Rose, uh, or you can go to my website, shanamusic.com. And again, thank you to Women in Stereo. Hi again, y'all. Just checking in before I slide right into my interview with Mixie. All right, Mixie. Thank you for coming on Women in Stereo. I appreciate it very much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I remember we met uh, years and years and years ago. Yes, yes. Um, DJ Rawstar show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At the comic book shop. And uh, I apologize for the hair color today. Um, I don't know. Uh, we've been doing this streaming thing. I don't know if you see our sweet backdrop. You know what? That's okay because I don't have my hair extensions in and it's making me feel really subconscious. Self-conscious, not subconscious. When I moved to LA, it kind of did that to me because people who live here are women. They're always so 
beautiful. Especially if you're trying to be in like the entertainment business or anything like that. Yeah, I think that they, you definitely have to be flashier in LA. I mean, we'll travel all throughout the, the country. And then when we come back to Los Angeles, I forget how beautiful everybody is. I'm like, holy crap, where did these like A plus models come from all over? So so yeah, um, I'm actually in Florida right now visiting my dad and uh, I swear that the energy in Florida is so different from Los Angeles. It, I just want to sleep all day. <laughs> uh, I always kind of say that, so when I was, um, when did I move here? Like 19, I, I was kind of like a, a go big or go home kind of person. So I lived out in the country, like really, really small, rural. The closest city to me was Houston, Texas, and I didn't want to move there because I'm always go big or go home. So I was like, no, I'm moving to LA. Screw all y'all, I'm moving to LA. But I come here and I realize compared to the South, it's cold. And I'm like, no, that's not what I wanted. I thought California was like hot and like summery like all year long. And I got like scammed. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say I moved to the wrong coast. I should have moved to, to Florida or something. Florida is definitely like sticky, humid here. I think we're going night swimming. Yeah, we're going to probably swim in the pool at night, which you can't do in Los Angeles. It's cold and like you don't want to. Yeah, Um, it's weird. I mean, uh, we were we were living in Santa Monica for a while and it's 70 something degrees across the board for the whole entire year. Um, We actually just bought a house in the beginning of this entire apocalypse like I don't know how we made this happen but somehow um, we moved a little on the outskirts of LA and it's all just farmland and uh, like dairy farms and I think I got a free watermelon from the farmer nearby like <laughs> you know I'd been in LA since 2005 so it's it was a lot and I think a lot of my friends are actually leaving just because of it's so expensive it's you know, especially when you're a touring musician, you see all around the country and you you see people with real homes and like you get to stay at their place and then you're living in like this 300 square foot apartment near the beach, but it's like Los Angeles prices. And we got, you know, a house, 2000 square foot, two story house for the same price monthly that we were paying on in a 300 square foot like studio. Yeah. I- I get that about LA. When you're younger, you want to be like in the mix of it in the city. And like, as I get older, I'm like, I want a house with a backyard for my dog. I think most people, I don't say everybody, but most people who moved to LA first end up in Hollywood and end up doing that party vibe and everything like that. I definitely did. I lived in a Wilcox and um, Hollywood Boulevard. But eventually I was like, I just, this is too much. I this isn't what I moved here for. I want to like actually aspire to something. <laughs> but I think a lot of us go through that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got everything I wanted out of the city. I'm not ready. You know, my most of my family lives in Florida. I remember packing up because I used to around Orlando, I would do that's where I grew up. I would do open mic nights every, like three times a week in acoustic performances and not one time for like two years did anybody in the industry ever come out. So I just assumed there was no, uh, you know, entertainment industry out here except for like Disney. But um, 
I finally just decided to pack up the car, move to LA. I didn't know anyone. I was homeless for a good year. Like on, like I remember putting the clothes in the back of my car and sleeping there in Beverly Hills because there's no street cleaning. <laughs> like, uh, just in, sleeping in the back seat of my car on my clothes with a pet bunny rabbit at the time. Um, wow. It was a mess. But yeah, so eventually I got some crap job to get through everything and uh, grew and built the band and, you know, had a couple other bands that didn't work out before this one. And we're still trucking since 2010. And, you know, um, I think we're, we were able to buy a house. So I think we're like at a level where I'm really, really happy um, if we can sustain this for a long time. I'm just, I'm good with it. You know, I'd love to do more, but um, I'm not mad at where we are in life right now. So you just kind of moved to Hollywood on a, like a, a dime and a dream. I want to hear all about it, girl. Tell me your story. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I just I fell in love with the guitar at 15 and I didn't really realize that I wanted to do music as a career. I kind of just looked at it as my escape and I just kept doing what I loved and following my heart and realized I just wanted to keep playing music and maybe it I think that that switch finally hit in like 2004 when I was like okay you know what I want to give this a try and see what will happen and I packed up all my stuff I actually moved out to LA with a boyfriend and that didn't work out and I didn't we had a place to live, but it was with him and his friends. And so when you break up with someone, you're just like, stop, like, okay, well, I guess I'll figure it out myself for a year. And um, I was in a all girl punk band called drag strip kitty. Don't look it up. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. And I, you know, I toured with uh, filled in as a rhythm guitar player, keyboard player, backup singer for a band called anti product from the UK then I ended up on a reality show uh, doing like, it was like a singing competition thing um, with Chris Jericho was hosting it. Uh, and I won that actually. I don't know how that happened, but somehow I won. It was a record deal with Geffen Records and we did one song and then I was dropped pretty much. Like, and then I remember like that was in 2008. I remember coming home for Christmas after being out in LA for like four or five years and asking my family, like, I don't know if I can do this. It's hard. Like it is not easy. And I don't think I, I don't think a, I'm talented enough, good enough. I don't think I'm cut out for it. And maybe I'm not supposed to do this. You know, I miss my family. I miss where I grew up. And, um, they were like, no, you have to finish what you started. Like you got to go back out there, suck it up. <laughs> like finish what you started so but I went back out and I, and I stitched up my heart and I put the band together stitched up heart you get where you see what I did there <laughs> uh and then um yeah we had a rough go the first lineup was like two months in we we actually like had like 2,000 Facebook likes in like two months for being a band and um I don't know how we ended up on a tour. Uh, our first tour was Gemini Syndrome and Eva Love, which is another female fronted band out of LA. Uh, and the band kind of just went on this two month tour and completely fell apart. Everybody quit except me. 
And we were like, well, okay, now what? And again, I wanted to give up. I was just so beaten and broken. And um, the drummer that's our drummer now was like, no, I believe in this. Like, I think there's something here and I think you have a vision and I, and I, I think we should keep going. So he went to the, all the old band members and asked them if it was okay to just kind of like pick up the pieces, stitch it back together again. <laughs> um, that's kind of a, a ongoing theme. Uh, and we kept moving and we started booking our own tours. And for five years we were touring in a van and um, all booking it on our own and building some sort of small little fan base. Um, and we finally got signed in 2015 with uh, Century Media, which is now a subsidiary of Sony Records. They bought the company or they bought Century Media. So we're under a major label, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had a bunch of radio singles. Uh, you know, we did a tour with Godsmack last year, which there was like 10,000 people at some of these shows. It was crazy. About two months there in the U.S. and Canada. Um, and we were planning on going out with Sebastian Bach March 13th when our album came out this year. That got pushed to the fall and who knows what's going to happen. Um, literally, the album Darkness came out the day that everything shut down. <laughs> I did notice that. I was listening to your album earlier and I noticed the date and I was like, oh shit. They must have had a whole tour planned and like everything was just like. Yeah, we had like 10 festivals. Some of them got moved to next year. So luckily, you know, they're continuing some of the lineups. Um, and the fall tour is like, we don't know what's going to happen because, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, so hopefully that'll get, that'll either happen or stay. We just plan it by ear. So we're just writing another record. Like while we just released one, we might as well make some music. Um, and we've been doing the Twitch streaming to keep in touch with the fans and kind of hanging out. And that's been really actually a blessing in disguise. It's, uh, we, we found a way to keep consistent with our friends and our fans and build, monetize what we have. We're entertainers, so we're trying to make a show kind of thing. Um, like, I bought these, like, string lights, and I spray-dyed my hair pink for an episode, like, a couple times ago. My dad's going to spray-dye his hair blue if we hit 1,500 yeah. subscribers. <laughs> um so it's been interesting. It's definitely a different way of entertaining. Um, we'll do some acoustic performances here and there and play some video games and stuff with people. But yeah, um, it's it's a curveball. But I think as musicians, we're able to like find ways. Uh, we're used to the up and down and inconsistency of our career as it is. So we have figured out how to survive in a time that not a lot of people have figured out how to do because it's just you're used to something the stability of a career and when something changes like my dad had to retire early and stuff like that when things change we're used to rolling with the punches I think so it's not as difficult as I, I guess you would think it would be I am around a lot of musicians and a lot of artists and a lot of people have just stop posting like they don't know what to do with themselves they don't know what to do next like they can't tour so they 
they're not really into it. But y'all have embraced the changes and kind of rolled with the times with Twitch. I think that's really cool because, I mean, especially with Twitch, like they went from a video gaming platform to something that is evolving into this major live streaming thing. And I love that y'all have kind of embraced it and just been kind of doing it every week. Yeah, um, to be honest, our manager was like trying to push it on us because some of his other bands were doing it and they're doing really well. Um, and they only started a couple months ago. Uh, and we and I did Twitch like three years ago. I was playing World of Warcraft on it for a little bit. And it's just a lot. Of, it's very time consuming. And um, you have to put your makeup on every day. And I don't want to do that all the time. <laughs> so I was like not about it. There's a lot of technical stuff that goes on with putting together like we had to buy a $2,000 computer to upgrade our gear. We have to um, uh, get better internet and everything to make sure it's streaming properly. And so we are still building that. We only started a few weeks ago and we already have 1500 subscribers almost. We're like 20, 10 away, um, which the subscribers pay $5 a month. So there you go. It grows. And you know, some subscribers are going to, you know, not renew their next monthly subscription, but if we keep building it, it will ultimately turn into something bigger that we can bring on tour with us and be able to make money on the road and the Twitch at the same time. So the business is starting to get some more income, which is something we need for the business to survive. You know, I hope that more musicians get on board with it because I know I was very uh, adamant about not doing it at first because of all the technical stuff that goes with it and uh, the benefits of putting the time and energy and effort into it are worth it. I have been encouraging everybody I know now to do it, even though I was kicking and screaming not to in the beginning, but I'm also having a lot of fun with it, you know? So it's, uh, it's like you get to be creative as a creative person that a musician is and, um, you don't always have to perform like you can just sit and chit chat and get to know your fans and they get to know yeah. you and you know, it becomes a little more of a connected interaction. I'm going through a really parallel thing right now with the podcasting and with YouTube. I don't want to put on my makeup. I would like to talking to people as much as I love it when it's actually happening, the thought of doing it just freaks me out for some reason. Like I get so anxious and just like anxiety ridden when I'm thinking about, okay, tomorrow I have to put on all my makeup and talk to this stranger. But at the same time, it's taken me out of my comfort zone. And you know what they say about comfort zone? You stay in your comfort zone, you're killing your dreams. And as long as you fight your comfort zone, you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing. That yeah. Way. And I'm the same as you. I'm kind of socially awkward. I have <laughs> social anxiety. When anybody invites me anywhere, I'm like, but my bed and my cats. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have to leave. I have to curl my hair for this. Like, uh, but I, I'm, I'm a hermit and I, I'm comfortable in my little bubble. Um, but yeah, this has definitely taken me out of that. And I'm realizing a little more by watching the episodes back about how we are as a band and each one of us is kind of our own weird character and it's, um, creating its own Seinfeld show. You know, you've got the dumb singer who's obnoxious and loud and annoying yeah <laughs> you have the uh, I guess uh really smart 
quiet, introverted, technical guitar player guy that I usually bounce off of and never let him talk. Um, <laughs> you have the drummer. His first episode is on Monday, and he is the token alcoholic of the band. I'm a little nervous to see what happens there. His fiance <laughs> is supposed to be helping him get his shit together, so hopefully he looks presentable and not like a homeless person. Um, <laughs> Uh, I say it in all love and sincerity. And then our bass player, who's also an idiot like me. So we are a fun, dumb and dumber duo. And uh, Merritt is, uh, our guitar player is just so smart. He gets really caught up into all the technical stuff and he can do his own shows that are like, you know, showing people how logic and to, pro you know, program music and stuff like that. All the smart people things. Yeah. And I can just chit chat and talk about spray coloring my hair pink and whatever stupid shit. But um, yeah, gets interesting. Heck, I might go watch. Maybe he can teach me how to work a microphone because it took me like two hours to figure how to do this, to set it up to my computer, to my camera and everything like that. I'm like a one woman show over here trying to figure out how to do everything. And I feel y'all, like you were saying, the technical difficulties of, of doing a Twitch and like live streaming and everything like that. <sighs> the biggest thing that we learned, the learning curve with Twitch um, is, and this is the only thing that's take that's making it difficult for the actual platform to grow is how much money it costs to get it started and without seeing the benefits people don't want to spend that kind of money but we jumped in because we saw it, ha it working from day one um we still don't have all the gear up to speed but like we're using our phones right now and uh we bought a two thousand dollar computer but it's in california and we're in florida and we bought a laptop uh, actually a $2,000 laptop specifically for gaming and streaming, but the internet at my dad house, my dad's house is not strong enough to hold, to be able to stream properly. So it's like, you need the fiber wire cable and the most expensive, uh, spectrum thing there is for internet, um, to stream without lag. And you need a really great Wi-Fi camera, which I don't have yet. It's being delivered to California. Um, so we're just streaming at the bare minimum, which you can start on your phone. And then the microphone situation, we have like recording mics that we've been using, but just a simple 58 with some a mic filter into the little, I don't even know, but that's, that's a merit thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And the lights, the ring light. Yeah, the ring lights and everything. <laughs> I know it's it's crazy. And I I had um my first podcast I ever did. I just had a a regular light on me. I didn't know about like diffusers and stuff like that. So I looked like the sun. It was I know. just crazy. Found, this one has different uh, options. It's a cheap little one I found on Amazon. Uh, it's a lot of stuff, but I I do believe that Twitch is a huge platform to, for us all to everybody from podcasts to musicians to actors comedians um there are so many gamers obviously but if you don't play a video game you can still be on twitch there's just chat channels and radio um djs are on it there's so much over there um you know we partnered with them really fast uh because we know people that were able to get us in who have partners with them um and you can make more money that way, but uh, 
but yeah, it, it is a great way to not have to leave your house. Just got to put on makeup and try not to look like a slob. That's what I keep reminding myself. All I have to do is sit in my home, put my makeup on, and talk to people, you know? So it's it's a lot easier. And it may be a little bit of a learning curve and a hassle, and I have to, like, put myself in front of strangers. But it's cool. That's all. If, if you just remind yourself that that's really all it is, that's really all it takes to connect with your fans. Is that really that hard? Sorry. I think that there's a huge lightning storm. Oh, my God. I just saw it. Oh, you're going through that hurricane, aren't you? Uh, I think the hurricane, I don't even know. Florida always has a hurricane. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, I miss the south and the, the tropical storms. And the I mean, I don't miss them because it destroyed my house like five times. But I miss like the, the lightning storms and the, the sounds and stuff like that. Like it's that. actually really relaxing. Like I said, it just makes me want to fall asleep. Yeah. Like California, it never rains. And if it does, it's a tiny little like teardrops of rain. Um, yeah. yeah. Here it's just like, I can, I see the lightning and immediately I hear the thunder and you're like, oh, it's right here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is. It just kind of like soothes your soul. Maybe because we're from the South. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I'm glad we were able to get this together. Um, I definitely love what you're doing. I love that you're supporting women. Um, I also am a big advocate for any females in music. And I get really excited when I hear of other women that are in another band or playing an instrument or something. I always like check them out and stuff. So I think it's really awesome what you're doing. Thank you so much. And that's, yeah, that's the whole point. Women supporting women. I posted that, you know, like the thing that was going on, the black and white challenge. Oh, I didn't um, post a picture yet. Honestly, I've been so bad at the actual real social media because I'm so focused on Twitch, but uh, you're supposed to post a picture of your face or somebody sends you the, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, someone, um, challenged me in it and I posted a picture. My first thought was we haven't had the best track record as a as women in the past have teared each other down instead of supporting each other. But I see that changing in huge ways over the past couple of years. And I love that. And I can't wait to see what women can do now that we're kind of lifting each other up and supporting each other. I feel like we're definitely stronger as a whole uh, rather than like just when one person's hurting another person for their own benefit, then it, it doesn't just hurt them. It hurts them too. So they divide up and then it turns into like, it just, they defeat each other rather than helping each other and growing with each other. And, and uh, we're way stronger as a team supporting one another. Um, and that goes for even guys in general, like, and, and people in general, that we all need to work together to be able to, like, be a stronger body of human beings, you know? Like, everybody needs to start loving each other. And, um, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it, it definitely has gotten better, I think. Um, but I've ultimately always been kind of, like, the one to try to scratch other backs you know and help the others and hope that that 
they'll pass that forward mm-hmm. and, and help other people from that point. Dad's walking in the room. Sorry. Dad, I'm having a real intimate conversation about being a woman in this world. <laughs> Hi, Dad. I did lose power. Thank you. No, Thank you for checking. Internet a little bit, but it's I'm in it. everything uh, storm. It's, it's a dad thing. thing. <laughs> Love you. Okay, bye. Bye, Dad. <laughs> So let me tell you this. This is funny. Um, We, so my dad, you know, he's in his 60s with the COVID thing happening. He's very, very scared of anything happening to him. He has some heart stuff and some, you know. So when he asked me to come and visit, I was like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, so he's like, okay, but under these conditions, get a test before you leave, before you fly on the plane. And then you have to wear a hazmat suit on the plane. And then when you get home, well, before you get home, throw your hazmat suit away, jump in the shower, throw all your clothes in the laundry, not in that order, but, um, (laughs) and then wear a mask for the entire first week of being here. And then we got tested yesterday for COVID and they did the, um, he got tested the day before and he got his results. He's negative. So we know that he's good for now. I also want to see my grandparents, um, while I'm here they're in their 80s, so I'm making sure I should know tomorrow again if I got tested, if it's negative, and they put the whole, I've gotten three tests so far. I did the swab in the nose, which wasn't that bad. I did the blood test that tells you also if you have antibodies, and that was easiest one was the blood test, and then the one they did yesterday on me, put all the way up my nose, I passed out after. I passed out. I That's the one that they like go up here like this. Oh, yeah, I was like Oof. We took a toothpick kind of thing. I was so gross all the way and um I think I I like I went into shock cuz I watched uh, our guitar player do it right after me. And I saw how far they went, like literally probably about that far. And I think I was just in shock and panicked and passed out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, I'll just avoid humanity instead and not leave my house. Then I won't need to get tested. (laughs) You know, um, the antibody one was like, it was, uh, we were on um, set for a music video for a friend's band and in order to be part of it, you had to get a test because any of the unions now for film and stuff, they have to give you a test every day you're on set. It was super easy. It was literally poke a little tiny, you know, prick in your finger. And then 10 minutes later, you know, if you've ever had COVID and if you have it right now, when you're good, I was like, do that every day on me. I'm good, but don't <laughs> ever put that thing. Oh, uh, <sighs> So what's the difference then? How come you have to get both te- if they can just do it by blood? How come you have to get the the swab? Um, I don't know what that one was. the The one we got in Riverside County was um, also up the nose, but it was just a Q tip kind of thing, and they did go pretty far, but not as far as this one. I think that there's just different companies using different kinds of tests. How do you think the music industry slash the future of your band is going to be in the post-COVID 
universe. So have you ever seen those little like bubble suits that humans <laughs> I hope you're it's joking. like bumper cars <laughs> for people? Uh no, I I do think eventually at some point for now streaming is really I I think the main way to do it also drive in concerts. Um we had you can do social distancing concerts. We were actually supposed to play Sturgis, uh, the bike rally that has about probably half a million people going to it. And we decided because we have some people on our crew that have heart stuff, we decided not to do it just for, and we don't want our fans to come to a place that would ultimately possibly hurt them. Our three fans need to go to our shows and not die. (laughs) So... (laughs) We knew they would take a risk and come out and see us, and we didn't want to put anyone at danger um, and just wait until we have a vaccine. I think once the vaccine comes, uh, we're going to be able to lighten up a little bit more. Um, some of the, sh- the venues are allowing half-capacity shows, and I think that it'll just look really empty in the room at bigger venues um, with less people, you know? Um and some uh, bands I've heard are doing like like a residency kind of thing where they have a show in an area a couple times, like bigger bands. Um, we'll have a show in an area a couple times at the same venue to be able to get all the people in over a couple days or something like that, you know? Um, but, you know, until the vaccine comes, I think... Even when that happens, people are going to be a little hesitant. And I mean, as everybody I feel like should be. Um, So, yeah, uh, live streaming. I honestly, the way I feel about live streaming concerts, there's no comparison to being at an actual show. Like, you could watch shows on YouTube all day long, but you're never going to know what it really felt like to actually be there. You can't get the feeling in your chest or the energy of the people singing along and like the bass and the drums and it's just for us the out of pitch singing you know you can't get that kind of (laughs) you could have a million people watching and in the end you're just playing to a camera in your room which is and there's the energy of having that audience there kind of screaming and, and yelling and, you know, singing your songs is not there. So yeah. um, it, I think that I think when it comes to when we go to shows, like we're usually very social. Uh, we usually come out into the crowds. I crowd surf, like come and run around people. I'm a big hugger. And that alone in itself changing is going to be so hard. I can't not hug people now. Like I have such a hard time with that, you know? Yeah. I was with my family, um, for 4th of July, I went down to Texas and, um, my whole family was like, are you a hugger or a quarantiner? And I'm like, I don't know. It's the awkward elbow tap now that everybody does. Yeah. Like, 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 hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, that's the new thing. Like, you know, how people are like, ching, ching, ching. yeah, bro. Okay. <laughs> now it's like elbow, elbow. I think we're all just ready for this to be over, but the reality is it's just not going to be anytime soon. Sad. 
I thought, I thought that at the beginning of this, oh, okay, we're, so we're watching like all the numbers go down, like in China and stuff. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. So like, we're just going to go through this peak and then we'll get over it and it'll be done in a few months, right? Or in a month. And like, it's not the case. Now it's what? This started in March and it's August? Yeah, I, I think I I kind of thought the same way. I went through so many different um, emotions and thoughts. Obviously, this is just like a thing. It's going to come and go. And now I'm just kind of like, wow, it's still here. We're still okay. here. Yeah, oh. I don't know. Um, I guess we're just going to keep making music. Um, the great thing is, is we have this downtime to start coming up with music and we I think there's gonna be a lot of great music that comes out of this there's gonna be a lot of music videos with masks on <laughs> uh <a lot laughs> like apocalypse and quarantine and so when we're writing this I'm trying not to be so obvious in the lyrical content because I'm sure we're all gonna be saying the same thing <laughs> but uh you know, art is trying to get whatever's going on inside you at that moment out and using it. So do you, do you write the songs? You write your, the songs from the band? Yeah. So, um, my Merritt, the guitar player, he, uh, he'll come up with the music usually, especially right now, uh, we start there and he'll, you know, he works on stuff in his studio and then I'll come and I'll put the lyrics and the melodies over it. Um, and that's how we usually start the writing process. That's how we've been doing it a lot for this next whatever album, at least. Uh, and then, you know, we do collaborations with other producers too, but right now um, a lot of producers don't want to have somebody spitting into their room onto yeah. a microphone. <laughs> like, what kind of environment can you put two people together spitting? I was gonna ask, because you're unable to tour, and I know you just released an album in 2020, are you going to release another album just because you have nothing else to do? But you can't even go record, really. Yeah, I mean, we still have to market this one properly. Um, so we're working on new music, but it doesn't mean it has to be released anytime soon because we're just... The great thing that we did, even though the album came out March 13th and this and I'm going to give credit to the label for this because they had an awesome idea with doing um a waterfall effect with the record and releasing a song every month leading up to the actual release of the album so every month we come out with a new song it would kind of get momentum and build build us you know we hadn't released an album in a couple of years so it kind of built the momentum and the whole album had pretty much already been out by the time that it really came out entirely. Um, there was only like two or three more songs left. So everything was already out. We had already been touring off of it, kind of. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a blessing in disguise somehow. I think it's really great that you kind of release something right before everything happens. So at least you have that to ride on. Yeah, I think it's going to be real tricky for anybody that has that's sitting on their hands trying to release new music, you know, um, uh, you could, but the point in releasing a whole record, at least, is to tour off of it and get the, the you know, the sales on tour. Um, 
promote mm-hmm. it on the road at the radio stations and all that stuff. So, and the tours and the festivals, um, is really how you're supposed to properly promote an album. Like right now, I think singles are going to be the way to go until everything's up and running. I'm surprised. Like, I think Katy Perry just came out with a song. Um, didn't Taylor, uh, Swift come out. She just came out with a surprise album, huh? Like a folk. She she ditched the country. She ditched the pop, and she came out with some like a folk or folky. I watched the most recent documentary with her, and it's just really inspiring. Um, uh, and she's just one that no matter what genre you're in, you'll pay attention and you'll follow the the leader. She's a leader in herself, and somehow, um, just a great songwriter in whatever she does and her voice is just beautiful so i think it's ballsy to release a whole record like right now because you can't tour off it but maybe she doesn't feel like touring maybe she wants to stay home and write a whole new album she is big enough to do it which brings me into a couple different points have you seen or heard what machine gun kelly is doing i have not is going to go into a point that has to do with you. He released two songs recently that are straight up pop punk. I mean, not, not just like what some other people are doing, like a little bit of rock, you know, into his rap. They are straight up like Blink-182, some 41 releases. Hmm. And it makes me wonder... Was he one of those guys that the labels maybe liked, but they were like, hey, you know, we really like you. We really like your look. We really like your sound. But you know what's really popular right now? So I'm wondering, did he just kind of do the rap thing and then he got really popular? And now that he's so popular, did he is he now doing what he really wants to do? I think um, I have no idea about him particularly, uh, but... For me, I have a very eclectic taste in music just because we write metal stuff. Uh, we want to explore different genres, you know, and I, I, I think that music right now is open to exploration and blending, like you said, with different stuff. Um, maybe he just was like, you know what? I'm Machine Gun Kelly. I can do whatever I want and I'm going to write a pop punk record and I don't care what anyone says about it. But it brings me to you because as a woman in rock music, it's not one of those things that you can go into thinking I'm going to be the biggest thing ever. So it's obviously something you went into thinking, I just really want to do what I love. And you're, you're gaining variety on that because you're just kind of doing what you love. And I love that because that's the kind of story that you want to see. Yeah, um, I, I get exactly what you're saying with rock. If I wanted to be a pop artist and try to sell out in a way from the beginning, like, because obviously there's way more money in that, you know, let's be honest. Um, it's not me. Um, I, I've always been into like the emo core, the punk or like the whatever, you know, the Metallica, the corn, the Nirvana, the, you know, like it's always been guitars. Um, and so I really wouldn't, I did do an album when I was signed with Geffen, um, 
we did kind of an exploration of like on my solo album it was called read my lips and we just did an exploration of the pop world for that and i realized that it just wasn't for me just being a solo artist i didn't want to do that i always love having a band and having the team and the group of people um I don't know. And I really like guitars. And so if there's not heavy guitars somewhere in the record, I feel like it's not authentic, if that makes sense. I also think, I think that the, the fan base for rock, the, they're very loyal. And when you get to know a lot of them, we're all just one giant family that knows everybody else and all the bands end up touring with each other and it's all just one little like click kind of uh so i i appreciate that tightness rather than uh, if i were to just do let's say pop as this solo thing i feel like i wouldn't people would listen to it for an album that they really like they'd move on to the next person they don't stay as loyal and maybe because there's not as much rock females in rock um but i don't know i just uh just really like the scene i guess i'm with you i really want to include all genres in women in stereo obviously um but rock will always be my main bitch (laughs) and i'm also proud to say that mixie from Stitched Up Heart is my very first rock and roll guest on this podcast. So, oh wow, <laughs> well that's awesome. I have a bunch of girls uh, that I know in the rock field, so maybe we can change that and make some uh, more. Yes, and I do support it more than anything. And you know what's cool? I see it kind of coming back. Like for so long, I was in this like rock and roll depression. Like I'm so alone. Rock is dead and. Now um, you see it more and more, even on the radio, and people are kind of coming up and rock. I hope you're right, girl. I hope you're right. <laughs> I Yeah, I think what it is is that when you say kids, like a lot of kids' parents listen to rock. So they think, okay, dad likes this music, so I can't like it because that's not what the kids listen to these days, but eventually the kids are going to get tired of the crap that they're listening to. And then they're going to be, they're going to explore that world again. They're going to be like, well, what was, what was it about these guitars that, you know, there's going to be a point. It always comes back around. Like it always does. Rock will never die. (laughs) When you age, you evolve and you grow and you listen to maybe they were right. Maybe there was something about that. So Yeah, there's something about the Beatles. My dad listened to that all the time. And I just didn't, I did not get it. I went through my experimental uh, phases and listened to what I wanted to. But I love the Beatles. They're my favorite band of all time, you know. You know what got me about the Beatles? I put myself in the 60s. And I was like, you know what? Nobody had really heard what they're doing or seeing what they're doing. And I put, and I perspected myself that way. And I was like, holy, this must've been a trip. That's yeah. what I like. Um, it's crazy how short of a period they were actually together and how much of an impact they made. 
Yeah, I mean, and yeah, they still have like breakfast with the Beatles every Sunday in LA. And yeah, that's when you yeah. know you really, really did something special. Okay, let's get a little bit deep. Let's get deep before I let you go. What has been your perspective of being a woman trying to make it in the music industry? It's weird because my my views have changed over time and it's it I go back and forth where for the longest time I didn't understand what the difference was and why there was a difference because I'd never been a dude <laughs> and I didn't know what it's like to be a guy and try to do this so I couldn't actually put myself into their shoes um and then more and more as the business kept moving forward or the band kept moving forward, I noticed how, especially in hard and heavy music, um, most males are, like there's more men in heavy music than women, I feel like because when people listen to heavy music, they want that aggression to come out. They wanna just, you know, they just wanna let go and punch a wall, I don't know, you know? And women, I feel like lately in the last you know, five years have grown in heavy music because people got tired of punching walls and wanted to explore this new sound of the woman's voice with the heavy music and the contrast between them. So I think it paved a way and there's great um, female fronted rock bands that have kind of carried the torch like uh hailstorm and in this moment uh lacuna coil um evan essence was a big thing for the heavier stuff but i think that it was uh unheard of and it's kind of become half more so acceptable to be a woman in heavy music but there's this still like stigma of where we like kind of it takes a lot more to how do I put this um there's a lot more judgment around it there's a lot more having to prove ourselves I feel like um rather than if you're a guy in a band and you're gone tour with some other dudes like people are like oh it's another band with dudes you know but if a girl comes up there they'll get the attention immediately but then they have to prove themselves almost 10 times as much to really mm, take uh, professionally, you know, like be taken professionally and be taken seriously because I don't know what it is, but for some reason um, people look at men and women differently. And I even, I do the same thing, but I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum where I get I see a woman on stage and I get really excited and I really want to hear what she does and I want to see and I'm proud and I'm inspired and it makes me want to be greater and build more women out of their garages, you know, and just make rock bands like all girls, you know, but there's still a stigma and there's still people like on the active rock charts, you'll see 40, 50 bands with dudes and two, three with women in them. And it's, it's a very, very, the difference is a that's a big difference so but now there's a lot of people that only want to hear girls in rock bands so you've got the you know double-edged sword there i think in anything we're always going to get judged 
whether it's a girl, a guy, whether you're straight, you're gay, you're black, you're white, your religion, you know, it's just people have this instant need to judge everybody. And I think that's just because a lot of us are sad inside. And then we want to put that feeling that we have on other people and make us feel better because they're not like us. And I don't know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen in this world. And being a woman, nothing I can do to change it. I can only just keep putting a foot in front of the other and doing what I love and following my heart and hoping that um, others stick by my side. Um, I, I'm lucky to have such a great like group of people that follow our band and that support us. And um, they make anybody that says that we can't do it they just trump them and it's like I don't care what you say I have these people that have my back you know that's amazing and um I wholeheartedly agree and I think sometimes when people judge women in situations like that they're not even doing it on purpose it's just so ingrained in their mentality I got started in the music industry I wanted to be a photographer but I was dating this guy when I went up to the press kit, you know, and get my um, photographer credential, they'd always like talk to him first and act like I didn't exist. Like, you know, like, oh, I couldn't possibly be the photographer. It was obviously the guy. But people don't even realize they're doing that. Oh, yeah. I get, um, I get, actually, if the, if the people at the venue know that it's, the band is with me sometimes they won't be allowed or the if they know who the band is that there's this girl singer in it they'll they'll let me in and sometimes they won't let the guys they'll be like what do you show me your credentials <laughs> or sometimes it's the opposite and it's like they'll ask for my credentials and I as I don't always have them on me because I assume that like the people know but they don't always know and they're like who are you why are you here and like get back in the front of the line or the back in the line. <laughs> I'm like, no, I swear I'm playing tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that people just assume we, we make judgments and it's kind of, I guess, the way that we've been conditioned in society to be. And hopefully that will change with all of the awareness that's going on these days. You know what really makes me mad as a, a fan of rock music. If I was a guy and I came up to you and I was like a fan of your band, I'm just a fan of your band. I'm just a fan of rock music. But since I'm a girl and I'm pretty, oh, I must like want to do you or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's ego. I think that's just somebody just, you know, hoping for it. <laughs> uh, or yeah, uh, but there is a lot of that in in rock um so maybe they're just that's what they're they've been conditioned see a pretty girl and they think well maybe i can hit that <laughs> anytime we go to like a gas station we're on tour um i almost every time nobody ever guesses that i'm actually in the band they just ask they talk to the guys and they kind of ignore me <laughs> and i'm just like somebody's girlfriend there like and it's see i'm Exactly. Yeah, like I'm just following the guys because, you know, they're hot. Exactly. <laughs> you couldn't possibly be in the band. You're just one of their girlfriends. So. Yeah, there's no way. And I think that's a stigma and just not having enough girls in rock. 
that's just not very often that that happens. There isn't enough girls in rock, which just kind of sucks for me because, and as in you, because we're rock fans, where are the women? Why aren't they doing this? Uh, I think there's a lot of answers to that. I think one of the things is that it's not a very glamorous lifestyle. And however, guys don't mind. We toured in a van for five years. We slept on people's couches. Like this one dude had a mouse run out of his fridge. Like we literally slummed it like gypsies and only for the love of rock and roll. Like it's uh, not glamorous. It's not something that even if you were to start a band and start touring and realize that you're not going to make a lot of money, especially at the beginning. Um, the notoriety, the, uh, the gypsy lifestyle, um, all of that stuff combined make, would make anyone guy or girl question whether or not this is the kind of thing they really, really, really want to do. Um, and I think as women, it takes a little more guys can go a week without a shower and they don't always have to worry, but they don't have to shave their beard as a girl trying to entertain and look somewhat presentable for the next show. When you're washing your face at a truck stop, uh, it sucks. And you know, we've upgraded to, to touring in an RV, which is still not even a bus, but it's still better than a van and it's better than a motel six with bed bugs somewhere in the Midwest, you know? Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's just, it's like slumming it for a while to get to the point because you believe in something so much and you're just keep fighting for it and follow your dream and just no matter where you have to go and how much money you're not going to make, <laughs> uh, you figure it out. You figure it out. 10 years down the line, it takes about 10 years to really, I feel like, see um, lucrative income and you have to be outward thinking and think outside of the box and how you earn your income. Like I have a Patreon page where my patrons help. I, you know, have a clothing line that I give them like a shirt every month or something or mystery gift every month. And then the patrons and then now the Twitch on top of that, which is going to build the business more. And so you have to think not just of how to make money with rock, with the music and the touring, especially right now, but what other ways can I still utilize the fan base and the following and the platform that we have to be able to survive? Yeah. And have you heard that? Um, I forget who said it, but it was like, you only need a, yeah, 1000 fans to spend $100 in you a year and you're set. So take that, divide it by four band members <laughs> okay <laughs> also 20 percent to management five percent to your attorney ten percent to the booking agent you need at least five thousand <laughs> okay okay i was talking about like one person but yes i see what you mean i see what you mean it is it, 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 um it, it, it trinkles down and then in the end we're broke <laughs> yeah <laughs> But you know what? You're you're there though. You're you're pretty much in that level of success. I mean, you're like, you know, there's here and there's here and there's like way up here, but you're like somewhere over here. Somehow we bought a house. Exactly. That, to me is a huge um 
level of what we were able to accomplish and now can like set I don't know, we'll be set in 15 years when we decide to sell the house. And then we can decide where we want to go and what we want to do after that. But, like, that is a huge milestone. And since the band started in 2010, it took about 10 years to get to a point where we're comfortable making music and we don't have to have side jobs except for little things that we're trying to do in the entertainment field while we're not able to tour um and creating other ways of doing it off of that it's all off of the fan base and the following of the fans like the the band is the ultimate business and then you can have little side hustles to monetize the the band you know like i said in the beginning i think you're doing it right i think you being creative with your fans and with what you're doing is one of the most important things you can do as an artist, especially in times like this. Yeah, I think outside the box. So what would you say to a young female musician slash artist that wants to get started and wants to be where you are? Do not give up. Because no matter what you do, no matter what you decide to do in life, you're always gonna get no you can't do it you aren't skilled enough you need to learn this you're not good enough you need you know you still have to do like everything whether you want to be a doctor whether you want to be a lawyer whether you want to be a rock star whether you want to be a violinist no matter what you do you are always going to be told or picked apart and criticized so always follow your heart Whatever that is, know what it is. Your first priority, I think, is finding what you really want. Like, what you want out of this life. Um, and then when you find that, that's the hardest part, actually. Finding what you want, really want to do. And where your purpose is. Um, and why your purpose is. Like, if you're just, I just want to sing in a rock band. Woohoo! But why are you doing that? Because I want to create an art, a medicine to heal people through music somehow because it heals me. And in turn, somehow I'm healing myself through it. And it's like a vicious cycle of healing. And I write words to help people lyrically somehow bring them from the dark to the light. So take them out of the negative headspace or the negative things throughout the day and bring them somewhere else that might help somehow. And, uh, you know... Uh, the why is so important, but no matter what it is, no matter what your heart wants, go for that. Don't go for the lawyer because your parents want you to be rich. Eventually we'll be making more than our lawyer. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, Mixie with that, that was an amazing answer. I will let you go. I know I don't want to take too much of your time. I'm pretty sure it's been about an hour. So Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thank you for, this is really cool. And anytime down the road you want to chit-chat again and catch, touch base and hopefully after the apocalypse is over, we can revisit. Hopefully we can do this in person eventually when this all calms down. We'll come in our little bubble wrap outfit. Yeah, yeah thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
Well, you're part of the Women in Stereo family now, so let's keep in touch and yeah, just bounce ideas off each other, whatever we can do. Okay, thank you. See you later, Mixie. Bye-bye.